and they can bring out the best side of a teacher. And I would echo that. And they're just like, no, we're going to do it the way we've always done it because we get the results that we've always got. So that creativity of me and I would see certain things. I'm like, hey, I want to try this. Like for me, we did a global youth leadership summit last last summer. And I've had no experience doing a summit, let alone a virtual summit, let alone a mm. summer camp, zero experience. But it was just like, why not me? Uh, why not now? And I and I believe in growing as I go versus trying to have all of my ducks in a row. So. What is up, everyone? Scott Brandt, host of the High School and Beyond podcast. On this episode, oh man, I just had a great time. Had a special guest on with me, David Prosper. And David just talked about some different topics that a lot of people run away from. Some people have the issue of uh, standing up and saying, no, I'm not going to allow this to dictate what my life is going to look like, what my life outcome is going to be. And so David brought some interesting topics up, some different things that we really have to do a deep dive and really look at. And I know once you listen to the episode, there's a lot of things that David brings to light that can really have you look at things differently. I know when we talk on this uh, podcast myself or when I have guests on, it is considering things that are beyond high school. But as students, as parents, as teachers, we have to look at things differently. And so David, I'm grateful that he was on because David did bring a different perspective brought about some different ideas and some things to really consider. So if you're a regular listener, thank you guys for your support. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, thank you for jumping on listening. And all this is, is sharing the information that I have with the planning process, holistic career and college planning for students and families, but also bringing others on to share their experience. So that way students, parents, teachers can really get an idea and kind of look at things from a different perspective and look at things that they may not have fully considered. So enjoy the episode and I'll catch you guys later. What's up, everyone? Scott, the High School Beyond podcast. We had a little technical difficulties. You know, tech gremlins sometimes like to grab a hold of stuff, and you never know. It could be uh, things are going to be spoken, and we we got Facebook that's like, no, we're not going to let this go. So who knows what's going on and whatnot. But like I was saying, I've got the pleasure of having uh, David Prosper on the show with me tonight. Um, I was actually introduced to David by our good friend Gary Goggins who's been on the uh, podcast a couple of times. Yeah, just uh, wanted to have Dave come on here and talk about his experience because everybody's got a different experience. And so if we can learn and see what others have done and really see if there's something that we're not thinking about or seeing, then having that experience in somebody else's vision and what they speak on could really shake something loose. So David, go ahead and uh, let's hear your story, who you are. And I know you've got some ideas with wanting to change the education system. We're all about that because there has to be some changes as we know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that great intro. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. A little bit who I am. First and foremost, I'm a child of Yahweh and I'm a follower of Yeshua and I love reading the Bible. But uh, my background is essentially like I came from the traditional public school system uh, where uh, it was a lot of suppression of creativity and a lot of nurturing of compliance. And uh, 
as a result of that, I didn't fit in that system, even though I, I, I succeeded in the system. Um, but I knew all along that I didn't fit in in this one dimensional box thinking and one track way of, of living. But playing football in, in college and a little bit professional, I went to college and um, got an education in a different setting. So I was uh, exposed to a different style of learning. I'm a huge advocate for education within itself, but uh, I think how we can do it can be differently and allowing the students to drive a little bit more versus the, the teacher to drive. So I'm on a crusade of doing education differently. Uh, I have a podcast, Shepherd Revolution, of how we do education differently. I run a micro school, K through eight, um, and we do education differently and we're building another school. So that's the goal, do education differently, but most importantly, educate the next generation. Awesome. What I was thinking, what was interesting, you were saying that when you were growing up and you were in the school system, you had your creativity suppressed. You were having to follow the, the old way, which we still have that way. And I, I'm like, this is crazy because we see that a lot. Sometimes the parents will stifle that creativity. Sometimes it's the teacher or it could just be the general population of that school where they're like, creativity, what's that? We don't believe in that. And when you look at your upbringing and being in the school, having that creativity, uh, the creative side, what was it or was there a specific type of art or something that really was your creative outlet to really fulfill who you were as an individual? Yeah, that's, that's such a loaded question within itself, right? It's, 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 so, it's on so many levels, right? It's our environment, it's our schools, our teachers. Um, and I think oftentimes creativity gets suppressed by one person projecting their self-limiting beliefs. Um, mm. And oftentimes when dreams die within a person, they, I don't think intentionally do it, but the impact they create is like, they say, hey, you know, like, why do you have dreams? Like you, you need to, you know, get certainty, do this certain job, get a 401k and, uh, retire so you can live the rest of your life doing what you really want to do, right? The, my favorite movie is Zootopia, and when the girl wants to go to the this this place where she can become a cop, and then the dad and the mom is like, you know what we did with our dreams? We didn't pursue it. That's why we're here, right? So it's just like that's all of our mm -hmm. lives. But specifically, it wasn't so much art for me. It was my brain, how I'm wired, I could look at something and break it down analytically and then see how I can make it better. So innovation is what drives me. So like it's making things better. So for example, like if a teacher is presenting a certain way, I'm like, okay, you know, they can switch up their language here and articulate in a certain way to evoke a certain emotion and they can bring out the best side of a teacher. And I would echo that. And they're just like, no, we're going to do it the way we've always done it because we get the results that we've always gotten. So that creativity of me, and I would see certain things. I'm like, hey, I wanna try this. Like for me, we did a Global Youth Leadership Summit last, last summer, and I've had no experience doing a summit, let alone a virtual summit, let alone a hmm. summer camp, zero experience. But it was just like, why not me? Uh, why not now? And I, and I believe in growing as I go versus trying to have all of my ducks in a row. So the teachers that I've had um, just just would oftentimes say, hey, you know, being African-American, they said, hey, you're not going to pass the age of 18. They would also say, 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm likely to be in jail because I was a troubled youth versus talking about my potential of they would see my directing traffic or like my eagerness to be in the front. They would see that and like, hey, uh, you need to comply. Rather than saying this kid is going to be a leader one day, we need to equip him because that's eventually where he's going to go. So the experience that I had of, okay, recognizing my gifting and I'm a natural leader, people follow me and I serve them. They, they made it look as if, you know, I'm bossy, I'm a dictator, or I need to fall in line and be a follower, not a leader. So that was just my experience throughout high school and elementary. Mm. And when you had brought up the fact of how the teachers looked at you as being African-American and how they had talked about you're not going to pass the age of 18, you, this and that, it, it gave me goosebumps because the issue we run into is we're so driven by negative uh, negativity and then people start putting that out on other people. And it's hard because when you're growing up, so when you were growing up and people were telling you that, how much of an impact did that have on you with your mental capacity and really going after your dreams? Like how big of an impact was that when people were speaking those type of empty negative words towards you? For most, um, they would succumb to it and just, you know, become the villain the world wants them to be for me, it became a challenge and I love challenges. And I've always been an athlete for even before I was an athlete, I would see something because I was the youngest sibling, right? So when my older siblings were like, oh, you can't do it. I'm like, oh, watch out, make room, let your boy come through, right? And, and I've always seen, so when someone said, oh, you're not going to live past 18, I was like, I don't know if I can control that, but I can control not doing certain drugs, not being a part mm-hmm. of certain things, not being in environments. And when people say um, that I would likely end up in jail, I was like, all right, no, that's not going to be me. I'm not going to have these type of friendships. And they were like, uh, there were some parents even saying that you won't amount to anything because I grew up in a single family home and I had a mother and those three kids and she struggled working three jobs. And now uh, I look at their daughters and I'm like, you wish you were my wife, but you're not. So um, so for me, it's, it's a competitive drive and I see it as, okay, you tell me what I'm not, and I'll show you who I am. Oh, man. that Oh, if we could get people to think that way and be like, okay, challenge accepted. But, oh, man, it's just one of those things that it's the change of the mindset, change of how we hear things. And yeah. that mindset right there is very unique because with what you're talking about, the circumstances, being in a single-parent household, and everything that you are potentially coming up against, I can see 99% of individuals are like, man, like this is my life. They just succumb to, and it's a sad thing because there's so much potential in all of us. Yeah. And then the, the world misses out when you show up as your true self, your solid self and bring out that full potential. But I think that's the importance too, that when I talk to high school students, when I'm talking to these kids, um, I actually was on a young lady's podcast. She's a legitimate high school or a homeschool student. So doing the homeschool mm-hmm. route and I brought it up. I was like, you've got to get to the point where you, you love yourself, where you truly know who you are. But at that age uh, range for the high school students, it's hard because of the peer pressure. And I want to fit in growing up when we look at back in society with uh, being as a caveman, cave woman, if you didn't fit into the tribe, you were getting thrown out. 
and you may have gotten killed off or not been a good thing for you. So it's a tough thing now because those ideas that we have, things that really were ingrained into us are still sticking, even though if you get tossed out of the tribe, you can go find somebody else to go stick with. But I also tell people, I'm like, if I get on my own island and I'm flying a flag on my own island and it's just me, cool. Uh, you're more than welcome to join with me and jump on and whatnot. And so when you had your experience wanting to get in creating a new type of schooling, because the way you had brought it up, you looked at things, you broke it down. And you're like, okay, what can we do better? Which is a unique thing because a lot of entrepreneurs, that's what it is. It's what can we do better? Here's the problem. Let me go back, create a solution and bring it back to that problem space. Mm -hmm. And so with that day, you had breaking it down and looking and saying, okay, here's what, what's going on. There's a missing here. When you look at what you want to do with the education system and your school, I would guess also when you're looking at bringing teachers on, like what do you see and how, how do you see that working out with having that mindset, but understanding everybody else sees things differently too. That's, that's such a, that's such a great question. Uh, I'm just like, how am I going to answer this one? But my wife would often say our vibe attracts our tribe. And you're talking about high schooler. We have a high schooler here, um, our oldest. Something that I, if, if any parents are going to be watching this or teachers, whoever, I think parents need to be parents in the home. And uh, it starts with us uh, before we can you know, say, oh, our child suffered from low self-esteem. Do you suffer from low self-esteem? That's the question, because it's a trickle down effect. Everything goes downhill. Something that we talk about in the home, I often say to them, and I say it publicly too, I was like, I'm an icon, I'm a legend. I'm the greatest thing since you know Yeshua. And they'll just be like, oh, you're so cocky, you're so arrogant. And, and, and it's not so much that I'm better than anyone, I just know who I am because I mm -hmm. am, I'm confident in the person I'm connected to. So identity, identity is huge, but it starts in the home. And oftentimes we wait on educators to help our children build their uh, identity. And that's a, that's a nutcase within itself. But I, as far as um, the teachers who will attract, um, it's growth mindset people. Um, I am very, I'm at a place, I'm 29 years old. And usually you, you people get to this place when they're like in their forties. Like I'm at a place that I don't care about attracting everyone because I can't be all things to all people. We're not all things to all people. And I truly believe that love has no walls, but it does have standard. And mm. there's something for everyone. And it's okay that how our style is may not be for everyone. The teachers we're going to attract, the staff that we're going to attract is growth mindset. You have to be, they have to be so comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's where beauty happened. But if you're, if the person is loving to be in their comfort zone, there's a public school down the road. There's another private school that's for you. And there's something for everyone. But I see us as like the Navy SEAL, right? Not everybody can make it, but the few that does are lethal and effective because they, they're they comfortable with being uncomfortable. Oh man, that that's powerful right there, and it's it's unique because have you ever listened to David Goggins speak or uh, listened to any of his podcasts? Yeah, Oof. I love him. 
Yeah, he's Man, that, that's, he, yeah. Um, and that's the thing when you think about it. What could really scare somebody to be like, hey, we're not going to say it's going to be like, hey, we're not going to give you any because you're so far away from the norm and we don't even know what's going on. So when you're thinking about that, has that been something that come up and you're like, OK, cool. Like, I don't need your support. Like, you know who you are. You know what you're going to do. Um, and I think based on your energy, your personality, because like we had talked that first time and I was like, just based on talking to you, we didn't see each other. We had no video. We just had the voices and whatnot. But just picking up on your energy, just picking up on your love of life and shit. Based on when I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm thinking that's cool people that are backing because same thing as myself and Pat for Two Native Sons, we've talked about creating a school system for entrepreneurs, getting these students to really look at life differently. Um, because one of the things that I talk when it comes to the holistic career and college planning that I do, um, college isn't for everybody, but I look at business owners and I brought this up in network meetings. I'm like, if I've got a student and they have an idea about what they want to do, let me get them connected with you so you can help them, guide them, give them the education, help mold them. And then a lot of them look at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. And I was like, cool, um, because part of 2NS is we, we have this idea for a internship program for high school students, ninth, 12th graders. And I was like, all right, cool. You guys don't want to listen? Here you go. So when you're looking at building that school, uh, attracting your, your tribe through your vibes that you put out, if it does come up where the, the state and the, the government's like, you don't get no funding, what what do you think is that route for you that's going to really say, okay, cool, watch me, here we go? So first and foremost, we're, we're a private nonprofit. Okay. So we're not heavily reliant upon uh, government funding. And uh, we're not just a private nonprofit. We're a private nonprofit with a social enterprise. There's ways that we create income for ourselves through selling merchandise and services, but the goal is to impact our community. So it's not just, right, when we think of traditional school, it's your neighborhood school and every kid go to this school that is based in that neighborhood. And there's not really an outreach outside of, oh, your, your kid attends here and they get an education, whoop-de-doo. But what is it doing for the community? What is it doing for the parents? And that's our different approach. So uh, being nonprofit, social enterprise, there's going to be opportunities for donors to say, hey, I'm in, I agree with the vision and uh, something that I prayed on and the father has really shown me is like, if, if the vision is so clear, you won't have to convince any person to, to see it. And the right people, you won't have to convince them. If you're convincing people, you're trying to sell them. Mm. That is more of a push than a pull. And if they hear the vision and they're pulled by it, I believe it's going to resonate with the right souls to uh, support us financially, um, as well as what we get to do in the city. And there's going to be opportunities for, uh, yeah, again, financial support. So as far as like becoming dependent upon the government and like, here's the red tape. You can't do this. You can't say this. There's not going to be any of that because I believe that creating boundaries is the best thing we can do. But having autonomy within those boundaries, that's where innovation happens and creation takes place. So, And now I'm thinking about it because as you're talking about this, there's things that like all of a sudden I'll be talking to people and be like, hey, let's look at this way. So let's say somebody's watching this on the replay, somebody's watching this live, somebody's listening to this to the different platforms because this will go on to eight different platforms of the podcast and whatnot. But let's say a teacher's listening to this and they're like, man, this really resonates with who I am. 
for those type of individuals, if they wanted to sit down and talk to you and kind of see if it's a good fit, how does that work or what route would they need to take to reach out and have the conversation? I would say reach out directly. I'm on Facebook at David Prosper. I'm on LinkedIn as David Prosper. Instagram, I am David Prosper. Literally, if you Google David Prosper, like there's so many ways uh, to, to access me and I'm, I'm very accessible. So if anyone is interested, definitely reach out. Let's connect. I focus more on about who you are versus what you do, because skill set is a diamond of a dozen. Like anybody can do what we do, like a podcast. Anybody can do that. Yeah. But who we are as an individual, that's the separating factor. And that's what they look for on American Idol. What is that X factor about them? And it's who we are authentically. If you're not real, we're probably not for you. But if you're a real transparent, open, honest and progressive and energetic and creative and forward thinking and collaborative, we're the home for you. But if not, we're not. (laughs) And then going on on the student, the parent side, let's say a student's listening and they're like, man, this is nothing that I've heard of before. Like, can I go do this? Can I go be myself? Um, or parents are like, you know what? This is something that probably let's let's look at, let's pursue. So the same thing for students and parents, I guess the same avenue or or how would that work in regards to potentially building that student body, working with the families? Like what route would that be for you? So it, w- it would be the same route. Um, reach out to me directly and I would point them, um, I would answer the needs and we'll do before we move forward with anything, right? It's like a date, you know, like before I married my wife, I took her on a date and she was good and I took her on a second date. And then I was like, okay, I kind of like this thing, you know? And then eventually I proposed her and we got married. So that's the same process we take. It's the discovery of understanding if this is a right fit because oftentimes we are moved by inspiration or desperation. Like, oh, this sucks. So there has to be something better, but not really making decisions from a healthy place. It's just like, okay, I need to leave this. Um, so we do a discovery conversation and based off that, then we'll talk about next steps as far as the admission, uh, admission process uh, for the student and the parent. Um, if it's an, uh, a staff or an educator, then we'll talk about the employment process and what that looks like. But it will be a discovery conversation first, and then we'll see if there's a good fit, and then we'll talk about next steps. But um, again, we are welcoming to all, but we're not for everyone, and I mm-hmm. stand by that statement. And uh, with your experience with going to college, going down that route, how much has college and everything that you learned from your piece of paper, your degree that you received, how much of that has really played into what you were taught in the school and the uh, university college? How much does that transcribed over to what you're doing now? Um, like, what percentage or would you say, I could have probably gone this route without going to college? And I'm not, this is the, I'm not trying to sway anybody, but if you got parents that are listening or teachers that are listening or students and they're like, college isn't for me, but they have everybody that's like, no, go to college. Like, that's the only way to do it. What's your experience? And what would you say when you look back, you're like, I don't know if I needed it. Well, first of all, I needed college because I played football. There's nothing worse than pick up football in the streets. And it means absolutely nothing. Uh, and my goal was to play in the NFL, but I didn't. But I played like in profession in Dublin, Ireland. But what I learned uh, as an athlete, uh, we were always taught uh, you get out what you put in. So 
if you're a traditional student who just are, are focused on acmea and you're just like, okay, I need to get straight A's and a 4.0 and get on the dean's list, those things are very exciting. That's a great achievement. I don't see that actually transitioning and being transferable because statistics say most employers look for incoming college grads who have emotional intelligence, those soft skills versus the harder skills. So for me, having that mentality of I get out what I put I put in. So I was heavily involved in all the stuff on campus. I was part of student government. I created a fraternity, created different uh, organizations on campus. I was a mentor. I was a tour guide. And all of these things, as far as interacting with people, help transition. Those things, I can sell anything to people if I get the, you know, if I believe in mm. it. And I think those soft skills of how do I interact with people? How do I move people? How do I gather people? How do I uh, vision cast? How do I empower? How do I equip? Those soft skills uh, that I learned in school um, is very transferable. But if something, if college is not for everyone and that's not the path that um, someone is going to take, get yourself involved in like either networking opportunities, sit on a couple of committees, be exposed to things that's going to force us force you to collaborate with others and agree with them and have a discussion to try to persuade them. So all of these things are transferable, but most importantly, if college isn't something for for you, I would say pick up a skill. I think uh, more importantly, like we talked to our oldest, he's 15. Uh, he's developing his skill as far as in his business acumen, and he's super smart, but it's just finding a skill, developing your craft and believing in your craft long enough and sharing craft with others and bringing them to the party. So if that's not the path, um, if somebody wants to be a mechanic or wants to do a plumber, there's great paths for that. You can own your own business. You can be an entrepreneur, but work on your craft. It's not an excuse to say, okay, college is not for everyone, so I'm not going to work on my craft and I'm just going to, you know, it's not for me. That's laziness and that's not what I stand for. But um, master your craft is, is something in my degrees in communication. I master my craft. by I have a podcast. I write for the Southeast Express. I do a couple of shows. I speak publicly. So I'm mastering my craft every time I'm awake. So master your craft if you're not going to be in college. And then with the with the, the sports side, uh, what college did you end up going to? I know I was looking and I don't recall. So uh, what college did you end up attending? St. Norbert College in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, what size? Is that a, a D1, uh, like a lower level D1 or D2? D3. D3. Okay. And so that's a unique thing because D3 schools from the, the research and talking to individuals, like the money that they have is a little bit different when it comes to athletics and the academic stuff. When you were an athlete in college, what was your experience? Because I've talked to individuals that they went to University of Iowa, and they said as an athlete, that was their job full-time. That's all they did, nothing else that they could do. But for yourself, when you go into a D3 school, is it the same way where it's, like, structured and that's all it is? Or do they kind of give you that freedom to allow you to, okay, you're an athlete, but we're going to allow you to go experience and do some different things as a human? Yeah, um, it's still a job. Uh, the most fun I had playing football was in high school. Um, it was exciting. You know, you just show up after practice and you practice or show up after school and you practice. In college, in, in D3, it was still – yeah, we were at meetings, we were at practice like seven days a week. 
but Division three, especially St. Norbert College, um, I can't speak for other universities, uh, we were heavily focused on academics. So they were like, you're a student first, you're an athlete second. So there was a point in time that our minimum, we had to take 16 credit hours as an athlete. And there was a time that I was like, this is a little too much. So I did like what most of my friends do at community college and I took 12 hours and they were like, um, David, uh, you have a choice. You can continue taking credit as 12 hours um, or you can get off this team and, or like <laughs> you got to pick a side. So I had to take 16 credit hours, but uh, as an athlete, it's the level of expectation is so much higher for us because people look to us as a leader. So it, it's, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world because now there are people looking to your leadership and um, relying on you to kind of be the face of the school. And for me, I was heavily involved in almost everything. Um, I would run from practice to go to a meeting, to meeting, to meeting, to meeting, because my intention was I'm only going to be here for four years. So I'm going to maximize the time that I have here and I'm going to get as much experience as possible. So when I graduated college with all my friends who had were on the dean's list, they had straight A's and I had a 2.9. I was struggling. I was the only one who got to college after graduation, before graduation. I'm the only one living in from my class, um, living in my dreams versus just going through the motion. So it's just maximizing the time and the space with the what card we're dealt with. But, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a, it was a job. So when people see like athletes perform, they're just like, oh, this is so exciting. It was just like you don't know how many times we had to do that same play a hundred times in one day. It is grueling, but it teaches you again to master your craft. Mm. Man, and I'm, I'm, it's interesting. So before we continue here, we do have, so with two Native Sons, this falls under two Native Sons. And uh, the beautiful thing is we do have individuals that have partnered with us. And so we have a couple sponsors. So I want to give them a shout out. And the first sponsor that we have, uh, I'm trying to find the uh, script here. Let me see something here. But the first sponsor that I have is Small's Food for Thought. Um, they're our original sponsor. That's Jasper Axelrad. And the beautiful thing with Tabala and Jasper, they're so driven on highlighting and showcasing small businesses, even though it's a food truck, which right now is not running. They're getting ready to go back into operation and whatnot. But it's beautiful to see that, to see somebody that's very driven, the energy to say, let's go focus on other people. Let's highlight individuals. What she's done, it's a huge thing. And then the uh, next sponsor that we have here is Rock City Cafe. And I'm trying to find the script because Patrick had written the script and I'm trying to find it here. But it was um, with uh, Patrick and his ideas. He's one of those individuals that <laughs> this has come naturally to, and it's a good time. Um, but And then I'll find the script while I'm here. But then the last uh, sponsor that we have is the Chicken Coop, which uh, Miss Sherry is the owner of the Chicken Coop. And uh, that community that they have is huge. Uh, they actually have a wall for their patrons that have passed away. They actually have a wall for everybody that's passed away. They have mm -hmm. a story and it's just so community driven and it's a very tight knit community that it's one of those things. It's a beautiful thing to really see 
that community piece and um, having individuals really driven to really focus on things outside of them. But the thing with Rock City Cafe, uh, they're in Colorado Springs. Food's great. If you haven't tried it, highly go try it, uh, check them out. But what it is is Rock City Cafes, rock music, solid food, and a feel-good local spot for the people. Come enjoy delicious seats with a great atmosphere. Rock City Cafe located at 1812 Dominion Way. Check out the menu at facebook.com slash rockcitycafecs. Locally owned, locally run, and locally focused Rock City Cafe. Want to give a, a shout out to them because they allow us to do this. Um, I'd still do it even if we didn't have a sponsor, but to showcase them and whatnot. And uh, when you look at uh, yourself, David, you've got, if you've got individuals that maybe as students, they don't know what to do, uh, what advice would you give them? And then let's say you have somebody that's dead set and they're like, I'm going to college or I'm going to go a different outside of college. What advice would you have for those two different sets of individuals, I guess? So first and foremost, right, and again, how we do education differently in the, the micro school I run in the school we're building uh, we don't we work from our identity to our purpose, not our purpose to our identity. So oftentimes the conversation, especially in networking, is like, what do you do? Huh? And then it was just like, oh, I'm a I'm a founder and I'm a CEO. And it's just like, but when those positions get removed from us, right, we're no longer that thing, right? I met so many pastors who are no longer pastors and they're just like, uh, who am I? I don't know. So the first step before figuring out what to do is figuring out who we are. And I think um, diving deep, uh, what wounds are inside of us that, has been un that hasn't been healed? What voids do we have? Because ultimately what we do is gonna be impacted by who we are. So if we're not developing our character, it's gonna bleed on and then we're gonna have, um, we're not gonna have delayed gratification. It's gonna be all of these things that's trickle down effects. So, before discovering what to do, figure out who you are as, as a person. And then when we figure out who we are as a person, then we understand what we're naturally gifted at. Like for our, my oldest, he's naturally a leader. Um, one of my kids uh, at, at the school, uh, she, she's very social. So she's naturally gifted at gathering people and people follow her. So it's understanding what we're intrinsically designed to do and then working from that place and not holding on to the vehicles because people are like, oh, I have to be a doctor. But if you're a leader who's innovative, it doesn't matter what you do because your skill set can be aligned to so many things. So I want to put, again, that's the, the box and the mold of what we've been accustomed to and programmed with of like this one track way, but versus flying, what skill sets do I have? What skill sets can I develop? Who am I? Who's my identity? And then working from those places. And then whatever we decide to do, if we're in alignment of who we are, it's going to be in purpose and it's going to fuel our passion. And we're going to be excited to what we do. So there's no, for me, there's no cookie cutter, but it's just discovering those two things and then working from that place. And then eventually, right, it's the journey, not the destination. Eventually, the destination is going to show up and you're like, this is what I was meant to do versus saying I'm set out to do this because it's just like a business plan. Right. An entrepreneur is like, what's your five year plan? Welcome to COVID. Right. <laughs> it's all guessing. <laughs> so yep. it's it's discovering who we are, understanding our giftings and our geniuses and then working from that place. And then the destination is going to show up 
just mathematically. And it's interesting because think about that and reflecting back, you had talked, you're 29. And so you, you're at that point now where you're further along than some 40 year olds. And so when you think about your purpose, who you are, what is that? And then also what really helped jumpstart that to get you to being a 29 year old that has that clarity? Was it a specific incident or was it something that kind of built up over time? What was that for you? It was the catalyst of, I remember my freshman year in college, the seniors were given a talk. And one of the seniors said this, he said, fall in love with the process. And he was just talking about football, but it was so transferable to so many things. So I fell in love with the process of who I am becoming. So I became curious about me. And as a result of becoming curious, um, I started discovering things and I'm just like, oh, I'm really good at this. So I'm like, I really suck at that. And it's and it's okay. And it's like, I'm really strong here. I'm, I'm not so. And as a result of being curious about what pulls me, what excites me, what lights up my soul, what, how does my soul glow? That's when I found out my purpose. My purpose is to educate, equip, and empower others to transform their lives and the lives of those around them through love-based leadership who I am, like that was that was years, years of uh, digging deep down into the nastiness of things that we typically don't talk about. We put on this facade of like, we have it all together. Like my shadow side, like I'm selfish, I'm arrogant at times, I'm conceited, I'm uh, cold hearted, I'm numb, I'm petty, super petty, my wife will tell you that. I'm petty and I'm, I'm rude. But it's understanding, okay, these are the things that I naturally can fall to, but who am I? Um, I am love. I am joy. I'm all those things. So it's understanding my darkness as well as my light, but it's making that decision to move in my light versus my darkness. And I think that's the truest form of authenticity. Not I have it all together. No, like I'm messy. Like my wife gets upset and she's like, can you just close the cabinet, sir? And I was just like, okay, whatever. Um, and, and it's just understanding that there's light and darkness and we have a choice and it's being curious about who we are and it's falling in love with the process. People have all these great ambitions and they get to it and they're just like, oh, this was it, right? And it's just this empty feeling of fulfillment. But I think fulfillment is in the process, it's in the journey, it's in the discovery, um, which is like, oh, I learned this. This is exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're making progress, it, it equals happiness. And most importantly, we're fulfilled versus trying to find fulfillment. And that's how I find my purpose, find my passion. And that's where I work from. And when, so it's interesting. So you had talked about love-based leadership and probably people are like, what are you talking about? Love-based leadership? Like, the leaders that we know are like, no, we're going to we're going to drill you into the ground. We're going to run you over like goodbye. Good luck. Somebody's like, what is, what is David talking about this love based leadership? What does that pertain to? And how do you see that when it comes fulfilling that love based leadership? Yeah, that's that's such a good question. Love-based leadership, right? So right now the trend is uh, transformational leadership, emotional intelligence, uh, servant-based leadership, right? At the end of it, right, we buy love for love and with love, right? 
it's the absence of love that leads to neglect, leads to abandonment, leads to abuse, leads to, lead to all these negative emotions. So when people say love hurts, that's a freaking myth. It's the absence of love that hurt. Hurt people hurt people, but love people love people. So imagine a world where people are caring and curious, and that's the love-based leadership. It's so simple. They're curious about the people they lead, and they care about the people they lead. And curious, you know, that helps us to think about people more than we think about ourselves. And that's the greatest form of humility. And then caring, right? People don't care about how much you got to say until they know how much you care. And when we leave from those two places, caring and uh, being curious, that equates love-based leadership. Then we move, we lead with our heart and our mind versus just our mind and all these skill sets. You'd be like, oh, uh, have them do a disassessment, a Myers-Briggs test, do their Enneagrams. And like all these things are just tools. But if you're not leading from an authentic place of love, like if you don't sincerely love the people you lead, people will feel that energy. And most importantly, they'll do it for a short time because it's fear-based, right? They're, people are afraid, but you won't transform their lives. You won't impact them. It's actually detrimental. And Forbes say statistically, fear-based leadership leads to a lot of deaths and high turnover and, and a trickle-down effect. But love-based leadership is simply caring about the people we serve and being curious about who they are. Mm. Man, there we go. We just we need that all around. We all we need that around. One of the things I really tell people uh, a lot of this though is it's an internal thing. Like to really be able to show love to others, you gotta truly love yourself. You gotta truly like yourself for who you are. But society's been so prone on no, like you have these flaws, don't accept them, try to fix them. It's like that's who I am. Like like yourself for who you are, love yourself. And when when you look at yourself, what experience is on your bucket list that you want to accomplish? What's another way that you want to grow? And then what is a, a contribution that you would like to provide society, the the world, whatever it is? So what's an experience that you have on your bucket list that you still want to fulfill? Uh, how do you want to grow? What way is that? And then what contribution do you want to provide? Wow. You, yeah, you just asked like, Three or four questions back to back. It's like, I have to like put it in my brain. Like, okay, bucket list. I actually don't have a bucket list. I I feel that I'm living in my purpose. So, so there's no real aspirations to doing a lot of things. I've like, I've completed a lot, like uh, jumping out of the sky, right? I did that um, traveling and playing overseas, did a lot of that. So for me, there, it's not so much a bus of what I want to do. I just, I just, like, I just like being in peace. Like, peace is my bucket list. Like, uh, uh, tranquility, stillness, that's my bucket list. How am I looking to grow? Self-mastery, right? Um, mastering my emotions. Because one of my friends in college t- taught me, uh, if somebody can control your emotions, they can control who you are. So it's mastering my emotions. I'm super good with the outside world. But when it comes to my family, I'm not the greatest at it. And I kind of lose control and I get mad because it hurts a little bit more. And what I look to contribute to this world, um, like I told uh, the kids in my school, uh, if I were to die and if I had one message, it would be to love your neighbor as yourself. And love has no walls. I'm a believer of the faith. I believe in Yahweh. And that means I love everyone. 
whatever background you are, whatever you do. Like, I may not agree with what you do. I may not be on your political side. I may not do what you do, but I love you. And what I want to contribute to this world is loving our neighbors as ourselves. And if we can do that, we can be in a healthier community. We can be in healthier churches. We can be in healthier schools. We can be healthier governments, but ultimately we can be a healthier world. Mm, man, <laughs> let's go. No. <laughs> love it, love it. Man, thank you for your time. Thank you for being on here. Before we end, is there anything that you took away from this conversation? Any aha moments? And what's one last thing that you want to leave the audience, those that are watching this, either live on the replay, listening on the podcast? What's that last thing that you want to leave with those individuals? Yeah, I would say two things. Master your craft, master your skills, uh, uh, master your skills and enjoy the process. Enjoy the process and master your skills. If we can do those two things, you'll be successful at literally whatever you do. Like the COVID, it will be COVID proof, it will be H1N1 proof, it would be recession proof, whatever. If you master your skills and um, enjoy the process. And I wanna thank you for the opportunity of being on your show, uh, speaking to your audience. I really appreciate it. So thank you for the opportunity, the space to share um, a little bit more about me. Yeah, I hope your listeners are blessed and that they receive something that they can take away and become better. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again, David. And then anybody that's listening to this, watching this, whatever it is, thank you guys for your time. Thank you guys for your support. If you got value from this, even if you didn't, hit the share button, share it with other people that you know that need to hear it because let's not be selfish. There's other people that need to hear this, never know. So share it with them. And other than that, I'll catch you guys next week. You guys have a great week. Enjoy life and love life. Have fun. All right, catch you guys later.